You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. It's a brand new episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer, Anthony Lewis, along with the Fleet Admiral, Ben Hello, Hello Ben. Well, well uh, retired Admiral, I've got no authority whatsoever. Wait, hold on. When when did this? I did not receive yeah. that subspace communique. When did this happen? Yeah, no, there, there was an e-bluey, which isn't as rude as it sounds, um, <laughs> that went out a little while ago. And... Uh, yeah, I'd take an early retirement um, because. Oh wow! Yeah, I, okay. you know, I thought I'd I'd take the time to um, uh, to just potter around space uh, doing random stuff. Uh, I so, mean, there's a know. lot to do out there. It's a big universe. Oh, absolutely! It's 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 um it's vast. There's many important scientists have written uh, and brian cox and yeah, yeah it's uh, it's it's just what i do now but you know I, I still drop in i still uh i'll still nip into uh, i'll beam beam aboard in order to to have this conversation uh, to, to talk about uh, well, i don't we've never really discussed this in the canon of the the podcast mm. ben Cur- mm. current events uh yes I, I those events uh, are happening now at this point uh, in history I yes i don't know i don't know where in the star trek timeline this podcast exists ben or if it that's even because exists. the podcast didn't it, begin with a little line that said in the 24th century no no well in the 25th century or 25th, uh, indeed, which i do yeah. believe was a nod to khan it was it's i think the titling title sequence of khan okay yeah. so yeah everybody hey listener we're here to talk about season three of star trek picard on I don't know, Paramount Plus for me, Ben, but I don't know. Amazon Prime in the UK. Do you guys not have Paramount over there yet? I thought that was supposed to be a We do. Yeah, but for some reason, I presume because there's a contract somewhere, uh, Picard is staying on Prime for the time being, which is a good thing because who the hell needs all of these extra subscriptions? Uh, I mean, I don't blame you one bit. As somebody who is Mm. constantly struggling to remember which subscriptions I'm subscribed to. Uh, uh, Same. (laughs) I don't blame you. Apparently, there are apps for that, but I have so many apps for so many things. I'm having trouble remembering all of my apps. So, although I had a nice surprise earlier because I was looking for a horror movie to put on whilst I battled against the uh, hangover that I had from uh, Robin the <laughs> Nail, let's say. Yeah, and, yeah, let's say because uh, in the future hangovers are still very much a thing. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, so I was thinking, oh, I can't remember what horror movies came out in the last couple of years, and so there was one called the mortuary collection okay and it's a horror anthology um sort of movie and i thought oh that'd be good and i looked through like the first five movies i found and they weren't on any of the streaming services that i had anyway and then i searched that one and it said oh it's on um uh shudder i was like oh for ah, god's sake okay, another yeah. one i don't have and then i yeah. realized that i had a subscription to that via amazon that i have had forever <laughs> that i've just never bothered canceling so that, you know occasionally it, it Sometimes it works out. Yeah, it does. Sometimes it works out. 
so yeah, we are here to talk about season three, episode one of Star Trek Picard. We've long awaited this mm. uh, because they have been in the marketing teased that this is the next generation reunion season, regardless mm. of what the other plans they may have had in place were. Um, and look, this is sort of something that next-gen fans have sort of been, I don't know, some people would say talking about, but I think the more appropriate description would be screaming at the top of their lungs about since uh, yeah. Star Trek Nemesis came out was, please give this crew a proper send-off. And yeah. the presumption is that this is what this season is going to be. And the presumption mm. is that this season is going to do it well. But here's the thing, listener. If you've been listening to this particular podcast, we have covered both seasons of Star Trek Picard. And I feel like both seasons, I don't know if you'll agree with me or not here on this point, Ben, but mm-hmm. I feel like both seasons have started strong. Like they started yeah. like really well intentioned, got us really excited. But as the episodes churned along, like we lost that momentum. And by the end, you know, I feel like both seasons ended with moments of like, how are they going to wrap up everything? Like, I don't know how. And it turns out like they try to just clap everything together, just yeah. crunch it all into like the last episode and a half and try to push it all through and it, both seasons have ended unsatisfactory to me uh, mm-hmm. where they had started out very strong. So they hit the nostalgia button and Saint the trailers for this season have got me so, so, so excited. Mm-hmm. And, but I've learned Ben and weirdly enough, uh, I have learned to temper my expectations. Uh, thanks in large part. This is a, a weird, a weird segue, but also a tie into other Cinema Geekly uh, offerings. So I feel like I'm allowed to do it. But weirdly, Ben, my feelings have been tempered by the Uncharted movie, uh, which I was insanely uh, yeah. excited to see, uh, and it turned out to be a pretty big disappointment. Uh, and it helped me sort of temper my feelings for the last of us TV show, which I really wanted to be very excited for and hoped that it would be good, but had yeah. been burned a few too many times on properties that I was looking forward to seeing. It turns out that show is phenomenal. Like yeah. that lived up to all of my expectations and then exceeded them in so many ways. But, um, look, I really loved the first season of star Trek, strange new worlds, loved it. Uh, mm-hmm. It may be the best full season from beginning to end of new track uh, since they've since they've brought yeah, it back easily. Yeah. Uh, but through Discovery, which I like, I do like Discovery, but they all have like these great beginnings and then they sort of sag in the middle. And then by the end, it feels like, can we just get to the end of the season? And Picard which, has which been is in keeping with the original series of, yeah. of Star Trek, of course, because yeah. and um yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that is true. That's definitely well, the original series exactly of Star the original series of Star Trek started insanely strong and then just kind of just chugged along until the end of the, the show. Uh yeah. whereas I felt like Next Gen and shows like DS9 sort of and, and even Voyager felt like they kind of got better as they went. Definitely. Um, yeah. The thing here with Picard is uh nostalgia loaded trailers and 
an opening episode. I I don't want people to think he's going to shit all over this episode because I am not. <laughs> but I'm not going to run into this episode and go, this was a five. Because this wasn't a five to me. But there's a ton of nostalgia in here. Tons of it. They crammed a bunch of little nods and Easter eggs and hints and things like that. That should have made me go, ooh. And they did a little bit. But there's like the other side of me that's like, you've been here before. You know what this, like. It's the hope that kills you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the. Yeah, some people have like a devil and an angel on their shoulders. I don't. I have like a little Vulcan on my shoulders, Ben. And it's like Vulcan Anthony. And he's like, look, you've been here before. Logically think this through. You know what's happened in the past. And like, let's say for the sake of argument that you're not going to just just like dismiss this show out of hand. But you know what? Let's maybe let's just sort of play it by ear and, and wait it out. Let's not, let's not jump all the way on board straight out of the gate, make them earn it. And that's sort of the approach that I sort of took with this episode. I did like season three, episode one, the next generation, which by the way, it's straight out the gate, Ben, they're like the title of the episode is in the next generation. They really want you. They use the Jerry Goldsmith theme from yep. first contact the uh, oh, they pull the themes from so many stuff and so oh, so yes. many references to a million references I mean, trying to get you to be like this is the old trek that you know and love and yeah. it's like but i love i love elements of new trek too it's just like they they aren't always consistent to me so let's start let's talk about what happened in the episode and i'm gonna do my best because i am on uh, not on romulan ale but saurian brandy ben i've had a lot of, uh, I had a yes. lot of that uh, yeah. So we're going to do my best to, to kind of get through this. But let's begin. In the 25th century, we catch up with Dr. Beverly Crusher. And according to this, her son, Jack, did he mm-hmm. not say this in the episode? I, I swear I don't remember him saying that in the episode. But okay. Um, yeah, um, no, he does. The man, it's so weird that this is where it begins because that's a thing that's not revealed until the very end of the episode. So it should be Dr. Beverly Crusher and the guy that we later learn, find out is her son, Jack, are attacked aboard their ship, the SS Elios. Beverly is injured and sends an emergency message to her former captain, Jean-Luc Picard, the retired admiral. Much like you, Ben, in fact. I know, yeah. It's something you two have in common. Uh, And you're English as well. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dignified gentleman. I believe of course. Uh, Picard and his love Laris are planning a trip to Chaltak four when he receives the message and she encourages him to go. Beverly told Picard not to involve Starfleet. In fact, to not trust anyone. So he goes to their friend, former captain William Riker. Well, I guess he's still a captain, but he's, he doesn't seem to have a, a command at the moment. No, the the Instagram logs, if you're not familiar with those, it's probably I've not a seen moment the, to just I've not seen them. these, but I am familiar with them. Yes. Right. Well, so uh, if listeners aren't aware of it, Instagram is filling in quite a lot of blanks on okay. all of the, the new tracks. So every single one of them is putting out um, uh, log entries all, all the way through from Janeway's ones in um, uh, Prodigy. Yeah. All of the seasons, have got, all of the shows have got this. Uh, and so we learn from that, not a great deal about this, but we learned that Riker was, um, his, his most recent job was in the redevelopment of of the Titan. Mm-hmm. So he's basically, he was involved in completely redesigning and rebuilding yeah. it. 
and they're not given the command of it. It's a neo-constitution um, class. It is. It's the first time we've seen, well, I guess, something very heavily akin to the original Enterprise from the original yeah. series uh, redeveloped. Obviously, we saw the um, uh, the, the, the movie, uh, one which was... yeah. What did they call that? They called that... So they had the constitution class. They had the... Did they just call it the new... No, was it a constitution class two or something? I can't, I can't remember what they called it. I don't it. remember, um, yeah. And then, yeah, now we've got the neo-constitution class. So we've yes. got a, a proper enterprise shape ship. Yes, we do. Uh, so he goes to Riker. Riker uses his status to stage a surprise inspection of his former ship, the Titan, with plans to convince its captain, Liam Shaw, to take the ship to, I know, to take the ship to Beverly's location without revealing their intentions. Uh, this, of course, is completely... Uh, well, well, we'll get to it. Picard and Riker are unable to convince Shaw, but his first officer is Picard's friend, Commander Annika Hansen, a.k.a. Seven. Dead name. Uh, no, dead name. Look at that. What a, what a mm. dick Shaw is dead naming her like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Who ignores Shaw's orders and changes the Titan's course? On Metallus Prime, Starfleet Intelligence Officer Raffi searches the uh, stolen searches for a stolen quantum tunneling device that her mysterious handler fears will be used in a terrorist attack. Raffi is too late to stop it from being used to destroy a Starfleet facility. Picard and Riker board the Elios, finding Beverly and Jack uh, just as a large ship threateningly appears ben Ooh. what did you make of episode one of star trek picard season three the next generation i'm gonna start with something a little bit controversial because okay. i've seen so many people say the exact opposite to this that i i'm beginning to wonder if it's me but i went back and rewatched it again today so that'll be my third watch of it i think yeah um, i watched it twice and, yeah and like no, every time I watch it, it seems worse to me. And that's this. So, um, New Trek ha ha has all been both uh, examples across any given season of some of the best uh, CG work that we've seen, as you'd expect, you know, as you know, we're, we're getting further and further into the world of, you know, CGI becoming easier to make. Yeah. Um, so we've seen some fantastic examples and some great production design as well. Um, and we've also seen some pretty ropey moments. Um, hmm. Picard, in fact, is is one of the the series that's struggled the most with some ropey moments uh, in terms of the uh, the appearance. But um, what we've had in this episode is maybe the hardest slam, especially in a first episode, of a beautiful um, aesthetic and a, a very sympathetically. Uh, designed for the modern world uh, sort of appearance in terms of uniforms, costume design, bridge yeah. design, um, the ship itself, the, you know, when, when we get the sort of um, honor guard as, as they arrive on the Titan, that's, you know, you get a, a nice look at the, one of the corridors on the ship. Sure. All of that is 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 beautiful. And yeah, it, pretty it's, well done. It, it's absolutely gorgeous in terms of the design. Although I will say, why have they made the red on the uniforms too dark when all of the other uniforms look the right color? It's Especially when color. we're, like, still living in the filmed for darkness universe that Trek is mm -hmm. in sort of now where it's not as bright and colorful, like just colorful yeah. as some of the other nineties tracks or whatever. But yeah, it's just a bit, it's a little bit odd. Um, so yeah, so, so that's the good, the, the bad, I suppose is that there, there are in, in the desperate reach to 
uh, to to press every nostalgia button going the bad for me is the fact that what we're seeing is is some of the props and things like that 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 kind of maybe fitted what the show used to look like and now look mm-hmm. kind of weird like the bosun's yeah. whistle is a good example um that that prop never really made sense in terms of what it looked like in the first place in the film but um seeing exactly the same prop um i mean it's been slightly touched up but it's, it is almost certainly the same prop used now look look just slightly jarring and so did beverly's sort of treasure trove of stuff all the stuff in picard's uh, office all looked a bit kind of a lot half it looked really out of place um so mm-hmm. i didn't like the fact that there was so much loaded in there and i know why it's there of course it's there for the for the nostalgia purposes but it just felt a little bit ugh. the ugly i'm afraid is is the killer though because the so the, the history of star trek in terms of the way that uh, you would come to see the ships and so on on screen was the, the incredible work of ilm uh, all those years ago and you know, it was a mixture of of modeling and and computer graphics, and you know, it's a sort of combination of practical effect with uh, with CG, and it, it's always looked stunning. It needed updating, of course, and we've seen it updated across other shows. Yeah, we've also seen entirely CG um, uh, sort of space scenes as well, and they've all looked pretty good. I felt that the outside of the ships in almost every sequence except perhaps when we see the the, the dreadnought ship at the end mm. all of the federation ships look horribly cg like yeah. they yep they like, there was one right at the start there was one bit i can't, I can't remember which ships are in the shot but it looked so much like um, just with the way that coming the out of space dock like oh when they're also looking in the wrong direction when they approach yeah. the titan as well that's really weird they're looking up to the right and then they you come out of you know you get an external view and the titan's up to the left it's just a weird continuity mm-hmm. error but once you see it you can't unsee it sorry if you have ruined that for people rewatching it <laughs> but yeah like it, it was odd i mean part of it was kind of a weird nod in a way because both in in this series and in Discovery, we've seen a whole load of ships. I mean, the, the last episode of, of Picard from season two yeah. features a whole stack of ships which were entirely created by the Star Trek Online universe. Yeah, um, and they're now they're now canon. And in this one, of course, we've seen um, the the competition winner ship, as, as, as I yeah, like to call yeah. it, because that's what it is. Uh, and it looks stunning, by the way. I think there's reference. Well I think there's reference to others as well in the credits and like the end credits yeah, as well. Absolutely. And you've got the, so you've got the the new Voyager B, um, which uh, you see if you if you look at carefully at the, the the big screen when Raffi's doing her research when she's yeah. checking the entire galaxy for the events coming up in the next few weeks. And apparently in the entire universe there are only three. Yeah, which is weird. Um, kind of crazy. That's really bizarre. Wasn't if you just look at it? your own calendar at home right now. Cl- the yeah. Klingon event, I had to look up, um, and my God, talk about deep dives in terms of um, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. playing to the fans. If you look it up, the Klingon event, I can't remember what it's called now, but it, um, it, it is only referenced once anywhere in any previous Star Trek property, yeah. and it comes from a long out-of-print book, uh, <laughs> which was the one that Michael Dorn and the language consultant guy from back in that era yeah, wrote yeah. about learning advanced Klingon. That's the only place it's mentioned anywhere. That's and insane. One of, those, of one of those things you gotta love. 
Oh, about, absolutely. About like you know the people that are making this have a deep love for it. It's it just sure. it did strike me as well. Like I noticed I, as soon as you started talking about the your qualms with some of the CGI, mm. the first thing that came to my mind was like how the ships looked. Like they just they didn't mm. look terrible, but they didn't look like we've seen some of and especially like early discovery, like the first mm-hmm. season of that it's like this shit looks like a movie. Like, this is a TV show yeah. with a movie budget. Holy cow. Yeah. And it's not like it's terrible. Like, we've seen, we've watched Doctor Who episodes with worse, worse CG. But yeah, but there's a difference. This should uh, have a bigger budget than those things. Well, and this, this, is, this is the cause, I think. So yeah. don't forget that this, this show was made, um, it was produced alongside season two. So this wasn't back to back. Yeah, there was a big crossover in the production between them. Mm-hmm. Um and of course, at the time, they were also putting out the other properties there. So, yeah, you know, they were still finishing off. Um, I mean, it's uh, Prodigy. We yeah. had another season made over the same course of time of yeah. Discovery, uh, and so like so. There's a whole lot of stuff that yeah. was being made, and For not me, only money was being spread thin, but I think also probably literally the time and rendering and, and modeling yeah. skills were probably being spread a bit thin. For me, it was not so bad as to like actually hurt what I thought about the episode, but it was so noticeable mm-hmm. to me. Um, yeah, that it just oh, yeah. sort of stood out as like this is below what they normally do to me, at least by my yeah. untrained eye, I guess. But uh, it just it just felt like that was the case, and, I, and I'm sure there's going to be and there's a case to be made, even I'm because people are going to make this argument that the show itself continues to be dark track and i don't just mean in the sense of how it is lit and filmed uh but it is you know the antithesis of the orville which is a nod to 90s <laughs> track and how yeah. bright it is like the first thing that we are introduced to in this episode aside from the nostalgia stuff because we get these establishing shots like a million things establishing that it's dr crusher from the the acting masks to the picard uh a log entry from best of both worlds husband's medical kit yeah to her hu- yeah to the her husband's yeah whatever that is her gear bags the thing <laughs> the, that he got uh, this is so the temporary citizenship of the classified mission that was yeah even, once in passing in an episode of next gen yeah even to the like the flowers or the plants or whatever yeah. that she had in there or like all of her things um the pearl but, necklace as well but then we are we are then immediately introduced to uh, the the person formerly known as Dr. Crusher, uh, the person now known as Dr. Beverly Crush Everyone, because she's like a soldier of fortune. She's just like a yeah. badass. Like these guys are chasing her and she obliterates but, them. And but she has form in special ops, of course. I know. Well, she does have some, yes. Yeah. But it is usually not her style. I mean, and they do talk about later in the episode some of the you know, we've missed out on a lot of Beverly Crusher character development, but that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that there are a lot of people that are hesitant to this uh, new wave of Star Trek because they just loved hopeful, optimistic Star Trek. But I feel like the Star Trek that's being made now is obviously different from the Trek that was being made then. Like things were terrible in the world then as well. It's not similar to the film 
even like going back to the original series cast. Yeah, those films were always darker than the than the shows were made. for sure. I mean, I suppose you could argue that DS Nine sort of ventured into slightly yeah. darker territory, but they also well, DS Nine definitely did. I feel yeah. like, but they were sort of the outlier. People were for a long time like I even avoided DS Nine because people mm-hmm. like before I had easy access to watch the show. All I ever heard was like, it's not Trek. It's not the Trek that you like or whatever. Yeah. Um, and because it's, you know, dark and gloomy. And even the original series movies had some hopeful messages to them. And yeah. especially from like four on, it was like, we're going to add more comedy and we're going to add more lightness to them. Even in Star Trek six, where it was a much darker movie, they still managed to balance the light and the dark tone. But yeah. um, like, there is that thing about Trek now where like in the night, it feels like in the late eighties and the nineties when they made these, uh, I don't know, like this golden era of Trek where they mm. made these shows. It was like, things are terrible. Yes, but we are still imagining an optimistic world and things continued to be bad in the world after that. And in some areas got way worse, uh, mm. some areas better, but in some areas way worse. And, I don't want to say this is a cynical look at the outcome of it, but I do feel like there's more of a modern sheen to it where it's like, Hmm. we're trying to be hopeful, but fuck, it's hard to be hopeful. And I feel like there's a lot of sevens. Yeah. Seven is, is, is kind of the embodiment of that in, uh, in this show already. In fact, because yeah, you know, she's been out there being the the sort of freedom fighter humanitarian. Yeah. Um, like we're doing our best, it. but it's a mess. Yeah. yeah, and then you know she she listens to the ever wise Janeway and Picard and joins Starfleet and yes. and all of that and you know which she does against the backdrop of Starfleet um, refusing her entry because of the fact that she was Borg. Yes, all of that happens, and all of a sudden she's you know first officer on um, mm-hmm. certainly close to the flagship of the federation at that point yeah and you know so and then of course what do we see what does that what does that look like and the reality Mm. is as she puts it you know taking shit from an asshole like her captain yeah so i'm and following rules that you know she feels awful about following so this is an excellent segue um to talk about liam shaw for a second the mm, captain of the titan because uh, I don't believe he's going to, monkeys. I don't believe he's going to be a minor character. No. I think he's going to be a fairly present character. But the way they presented him here was, at first, my feel like instant an instant take was like, oh, I kind of don't like this guy. He's Jellico again, yeah. But then they went so over the top with it. <laughs> that it's like there's gonna there's some wrinkle to this. I'm gonna end up liking this guy by the end. Well, he hates Borg. Yeah, I mean that much they really did. They weren't but like, about that, were they? But it wasn't just that. Like Picard gives him Chateau Picard, and he's like, "This sucks." Yeah. And he's like, you know, I run a pretty tightly run ship. I'm not going to crash into shit. I'm not going to get into crazy adventures, unlike some other people I could mention, but I'm not going to mention, you know, and uh, he's like, oh, Will, you used to be the captain of the ship. You know, funny thing about that weird music you liked. I didn't Mm -hmm. like it, so I deleted all of it. That's crazy shit. How are you so dumb for liking jazz? 
like tired admiral yeah <laughs> he was so over the top at not liking the things that the characters yeah. we loved liked that it's like yeah. hold on wait a minute i know i know when you're trying to fool me here into thinking i should hate this guy i have a weird feeling Absolutely. i have a weird feeling i'm gonna end up liking him by the end and of the al- series it's also it's also perfectly clear that starfleet know already what um riker and picard are up to because <laughs> The I yeah. mean uh, the big the big clue of course is the you know shadowy fella in the bar uh, when yes. Riker and Picard yes, go and yes. meet up. Uh, we don't we haven't got a resolution to that yet, but mm-hmm. he's I, I put money on him being um, Federation intelligence, and obviously we know you've got well again no spoilers, but I think it's a fairly obvious prediction that Rafi's handler is clearly Worf. Um, ah, so yeah. we've got Starfleet intelligence operating there. We've got Beverly who has previous working for Starfleet Special Ops and is out there, you know, with a Federation, or I think a decommissioned Federation ship, if I'm not mistaken, for the Elios, um, and is clearly, you know, up to something that has incurred the wrath of mm. um, this this season's supervillains. Um, Whomever they may know, be, yes. Th- this this is, I, I think, what, we, I, what we're shaping up for is some sort of Cold War allegory where... Yeah. You know what? What we can expect to see is the big bad um, being headed by somebody very big and very bad, possibly with an even bigger badder person behind them pulling mm-hmm. the strings. Because yeah. we know we've got two very good candidates for big bad. We know that we have one that's definitely confirmed as that. Yes, uh, in Amanda Plummer. Uh, yeah. But we also know that, or well, there's a bloody good chance that we've got um, a certain uh, stroppy Romulan. Uh, yeah. lady who's uh, coming back during the course of this season. So, There's a you know, certain uh, android of uh, well, indeed, particular indeed. infamy. There's a, a, Absolutely. a hologram of a, a world-famous villain who also appears Absolutely. Uh, in the trailers for this show. Uh, there's, a, there's some candidates here. I mean, realistically, we, what, what we're going to see, I think, is a chess game, like the big final play out of, well, it won't be final, but like it's going to be staged up to be a big kind of final play out between good in inverted commas and evil in inverted commas Mm. um i think this is i think they're going to go for a tense almost spy drama version of track during the course of this because and i think there's logic in it because um first of all there's there's ample room in that for you know kick-ass crusher and and i mean i want seven (laughs) to put her rangers jacket back on and go out and you know kicking ass and taking names yes um but with all of that you don't, you know, this doesn't have to become a, a an action movie type situation. Sure. What you do have is a set of actors um, who are now better than they ever were. Yeah. Um, and whose characters have now got so much more depth to them than they did, you know, during whether it was Next Gen or, or, or Voyager. Yeah. Um, there's now so much more there. And yeah. You know, there's there's gaps. We're in a great spot in terms of Star Trek um, chronology for there to be some some interesting new lore created because we've now got a gap here where we don't kind of know how we get from here to the next known point in in their time, and a lot has changed in that time. So we're going to see yeah. we're going to see evolution in in this show. I, I think this is going to be a very plot and detail heavy um, season, which is good. And, I think could be oh, a yeah, good thing yeah. if it's a good. Well, I mean, if it's a good plot. If and the pacing it, it, is yes, right, yes, then then absolutely. And I think there's a couple of 
risks to the pacing. I think one of the problems could be too many lingering shots showing you props from old shows because, like, <laughs> yeah, we don't you've need done that. It, you've done it at the start. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to see all the callbacks to old. I mean, this this one was written by uh, Terry Mathlas, who's now named a planet after himself in a madly egomaniacal way. But anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> but we, we've got probably probably one of the more interesting characters, I think, from. Uh, from the last season has followed us through in Rafi. She's yep. very divisive great. with viewers, but like, I don't know. I she, love Rafi. I um, do, and I think I think she creates a, a good rid foil of, for, for we got, as well. I mean, we got rid of Allison Pill. I mean, she's a great actor, but um, mm. you know, she's gone. Elfnor, he's gone. Thank goodness. Oh, thank God. At yeah. least I'm pretty sure he's gone. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure he's gone. Obviously, um, Rios uh, offed himself. So in sad the, about that. in the last season. He was great though. I loved Rios. Um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a problem seeing more of him, but yeah, so they ba- they basically ditched everybody except for Seven, who is a core mm-hmm. Trek character outside of Star Trek Picard, and then and is uh, one of the Rafi. most enthusiastic evangelists of Star Trek, and it's yeah. and it's sort of you know continuity yeah. as well, so, which doesn't hurt. So let's talk one more thing before I talk about some stuff that I loved. One more thing that mm-hmm. could be uh, a divisive point. I mean, obviously we're only one episode in. But mm-hmm. how do we feel about this Jack, Crusher, okay. this new Jack Crusher? Because my, say what, my yeah, immediate snap knee-jerk reaction to this mm-hmm. is she has another son. Mm-hmm. He's 20 years old. They describe, or he would be 20-ish years old, although he looked I, older than 20 to me. But I don't think he is 20-ish years old. Really? I don't know. I'm yeah. Well, one, Ben, once we get to our age, is everyone, like, basically, if you're, like, younger than well, us, act, you're all the kids. Actor, the actor was born in 1988, um, so, which is really interesting because when you look at when he was born and you look at the chronology of, literally, like, the release chronology of Star yeah, Trek. yeah, yeah. Um, he was born uh, in exactly that sort of year and a half, two year gap that Beverly Crusher um, needed to be uh, off the Enterprise and needed to be uh, scooting around being Starfleet's CMO. Yeah. And um, when she came back, you know, well, so just before she went, of course, you know, yeah. that, that was right at the sort of point yeah. when her and Picard's storyline was was yeah. having a little bit of flesh added to it. I'm going to say it right now. I don't think Jack is a last fling from Picard at the end of, what would that be, Nemesis? or No, not yeah. Nemesis, at the end of the, the series. I, gotta I say, think oh, I go think ahead. Jack is is the son that she had when she left the Enterprise. It's Picard's son, and she what didn't want to have the embarrassment, awkwardness, perhaps even career ruining of having Picard's son on the Enterprise. Yes. I'm, I'm 90% sure she went, back to Starfleet. She left Jack growing up with somebody. That'll be an interesting point to find out who. Yeah. Maybe the um, ghost uh that lived in a lantern, <laughs> Ben. Uh I mean, let's hope God, can you imagine if he was Lantern Ghost baby? That would be weird. <laughs> sex ghost. Um, sex ghost. <laughs> sex ghost deluded dude. Sex ghost um, coast to coast. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the, one who, the one who blew Ray in Ghostbusters, who knows? Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah so well, I, my, my controversial take, though, is that Jack is A, Picard's son, which I think everyone kind of agrees he probably is, yeah. and B, that he's Picard's son specifically, not from the time everyone thinks it is, but from when she was off the Enterprise during the Pulaski era. Yeah, I, I'm so upset that you said this. I was hoping that you'd have some sort of great way of explaining how it's not Picard's son, because like the moment that it happened, I mean, and look, 
this was brought up. Laris brought up like you two used to be lovers, right? And he's like, mm-hmm. well, we're trying to be. Um, and obviously we know the history between them. Like the first time I mentioned this to my mom, who was like a big, uh, track fan. Well, I ended up being the bigger Trek fan, but for a while she was the big Trek fan. Um, and her thing was like, Oh, are they together? And I'm like, not really. Um, cause her thing is all about relationships and Trek. And mm-hmm. my thing is I mean, not, not that, but which is, which is a fascinating subject, but yeah, it is. Uh, but I mean all of these things and then it's like, she has another son mm-hmm. and he has a British accent for some fucking reason. I, I guess that's a, I guess that I, I did not Lots know this, ben, but British apparently man. if you just have a father who's British, you're just born with the accent. Oh yes. It's genetic. Yeah. Yeah. I did not realize that this is a, a thing that gets passed through your genes. Ask Catherine Ryan. <laughs> but clearly it is. Um, and like all of that just felt like this is a Picard Sun story. And I'm like, cool. Like the third Star Trek become like Picard story with where he's got a son. Great. Haven't seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, at least it's not a clone. Like, I, honestly, I felt a little deflated. Maybe mm-hmm. they've got a great story in mind, but it's like we've done start. We've done like Picard has a son story. We've done it a few times already. If I'm right about when he's from, I think there will be quite a good story. Because yeah. I hope we... so, because the other times that they've done it, like mm. they've all turned out to, I'm pretty sure they've done it like twice or whatever, or, or uh, Picard yeah. has a surrogate son or something like that. They've all been kind of like let down episodes. Like they weren't really, they, that they were good. pretty poorly written. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that immediately triggered like a, a response of like, okay, mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I can't say that that has me very excited. It was a bit like for me, that was supposed to be a, at the end. It's supposed to be like a, oh, I bet it's his son. And in my mind, it's like, they want me to think it's his son, but is it for real this time? It's happened before and it was always not his son actually. And it's something else mm. or, you know, like whatever the case may be. Um, so that hampered it a little bit for me. I hope they've got something good in mind, uh, mm. if, if that's the case. But that did not excite me. You know, oddly enough, it feels like I'm going to give this show like a two or something, Ben. But I didn't actually rated it rather highly, but probably not as high as I normally would for a premiere for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were, in general, there were things I like. It's not like I hated the nostalgia. I loved the nostalgia. I loved hearing that best of both worlds log entry from <laughs> Picard. I loved, like, you know, just like the little the tiny, score was tremendous. The score was amazing, even if it was just sort of sometimes it was just direct takes from some of the movies, uh, or if it was well, they, like they, a riff. Love, they, they were very nice rearrangements of yes, there. but oh, so good. Like I, I loved, I loved those bits. My favorite moments in this episode were, uh, Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes together. Like (laughs) they just looked like they were having a blast. And yes, I don't care. Not even a little bit that most of their dialogue was the, I'm too old for this shit dialogue that you give to people who've been in a role for a million years, but now they're old. Kirk and Spock, aren't they? They really are. And they have to admit (laughs) that's right, Mr. Spock. And they have to admit that they're old because it's obvious that they're old. But look, uh, I don't care how corny or how silly or whatever the joke was, but I laughed out loud at the bit where they were about to board Beverly's ship and 
your hands are stiff and my yeah, my knees are me, shot. So like, like as long as, as we long don't have, have to shoot or move, shoot or move, yeah, we're gonna be fine. <laughs> I felt so seen as well. I know. Yeah, my, I'm my like, I well, ache mate. every morning getting out of bed. I feel this I to my core. It's only gonna get worse. That's horrible. Thanks for letting mm-hmm. me know. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I what laughed. comes with that. I what liked comes it. With that was the fact that those scenes were better written and they weren't horribly, horribly overplayed by Frakes. No. I think the more he's done directing, the yeah. less um, I, I, I've always found Riker as a character and Frakes as a performer kind of grating, even up to <laughs> even up to last season. Wow, um, I, I love. Frakes. I, I think he's a great director, by the way. But oh, um, great director, but, yeah. But yeah, what's really interesting is he's just toned his shit down a bit in in mm. certainly in this episode, and it just goes to show how much better he can be when he's not kind of over Riker and yeah. Riker. Yeah, and I, I was really impressed with his performance in this episode, especially seeing as it wasn't one of the ones that he's directed. Yeah, and we get to meet Sydney LaForge as well, uh, daughter of Jordy LaForge. What? Crash, bless her. Crash. Wait, is this the one that's mm. the actual real daughter of LeVar Burton? I know there's like he's. I think his real daughter uh, is in this. I'm pretty sure that's her. I don't th- think it's her from recollection because uh, she's she's daughter number three, right? The one that Picard can never remember the name yeah. of hilariously, <laughs> yes. which is. Why well, I absolutely love the fact that um, yeah yeah no I think um, no his daughter's Mika Burton and she okay. plays Alandra LaForge who okay. we've not yet met but we will do okay I think that's pretty great as well um, and also mm. in the end also in the end credits they mention like Jordy is like the curator or whatever of the Federation Museum and, and yeah on the thing and it's like it houses the ender- the original Enterprise and the original Voyager and it's like. Can we can we visit the museum in the show, please? I, I would like to see Voyager. them. Well, we're going to because it's in the it's in the Elkar's entry in the closing credits. Uh, the okay. museum you can you get to see it there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Although I always thought that Voyager was a museum on the grounds of the Presidio. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, maybe they moved it Voyager. later, Ben. After uh, oh, that makes sense. oh no, that Voyager never existed there, did it? Oh yeah, good point. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> we brain. wobbly timey wimey. All this Saurian brandy, Ben. It's it's making this tough for me to to parse all of this information, but I'm doing my best. Uh. Um, Okay, so final thoughts on episode one, and what would you give it? Final thoughts. Uh, it, it's a good start. They've not gone in like too, too over the top and, you know, gone, hey, look at this. There's a lot going on here. They've gone in nice and gentle. They've set up some nice, clear A, B, and C plots. They've asked some um, questions. Yes. They've asked some questions. They've sprinkled a little bit of, of clues throughout it. Yes. Um, you can tell, uh, in fact, you don't need to guess because it's it's literally been said by the creator that, you know, they are deliberately pulling here mm. on not just next gen because that would be kind of dull just to kind of go, oh, look, it's these people. Here's some stuff they used to do. They're pulling on <laughs> real deep cuts from from original series, from but heavily from Wrath of Khan. Like, there's a lot of this uh, of that movie in this episode. <laughs> yes, um, yes, and I think I think actually that's the t- I think the reason is that's the tone that they're kind of going for. It's the, it's the arch enemy mm-hmm. kind of clever busted thing, and I th- I, th- yeah. I, th- I think that's what we're going to be seeing here. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact that we got some really good. Um, acting from the bridge crew in response to Shaw, because one of the things it, in old Trek and new Trek that's that's always been a bit of a joke is the fact that unless they're a sort of main character, even those whose names we know yeah, in the background of bridge captains, scenes, yeah, 
Yeah, but they're kind of you, you don't really get any sense for them. I mean, Discovery no, did it yeah, horrendously yeah, yeah. badly to start with. Yeah. Um, I really liked that. Like we learn a lot about what that crew thinks of Shaw and what they yeah. think respectively of Seven during those couple of scenes. So there's a lot there. I, I love the production aesthetic, except for the CG. Um, I, I I'll I'll watch Jerry Ryan in Star Trek for as long as she's happy to do, as I will with yep. pretty much everyone in this cast. Yep. Um, they need to keep the, the 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 costume and sound design of the show exactly as on point as it is. It's pretty great. Michelle Hurd just needs to tone down. We all remember that you're a junkie, uh, Rafi. You don't need to <laughs> go, oh, no, I have some drugs. Oh, I can't stop looking at the drugs. Um, just, just, we get it. It's fine, Rafi. It's like me um, with a brandy, Ben. I mean, I feel seen as well because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. T- it's tea. Hit a little too um, close to home. Yes, absolutely. But no, I mean, I, I, I want to find out what happened with uh, Deanna Troy and um, uh, Riker's slightly rocky marriage situation. Yeah, I don't want to linger on it too long, but we're going to find out about it. Excited I to catch up w- with Worf. I don't know. I can't wait to see Amanda Plummer as Vadik. Um, yeah, like she is kind of low key one of my favorite actors and. Mm. Like she's known for like she's been in a billion things, but and she's known for some stuff that you know she was good in. But I, th- I think her quirky roles, where she plays somebody that's quite quite mad, yeah. Um, like they're always the best. I mean, weirdly, one of my favorite reference points for Amanda Plummer, where people go, "Oh yeah," was um, she plays Rose in So I Married an Axe Murderer, mm-hmm. and I I fell in love with her in that movie and yeah. I can't wait to see that so yeah well um, I'm hoping I'm hoping she, I believe she is the daughter of Christopher Plummer and yes, I am hoping that this is the, uh, at least it appears on the surface to be the swan song for the next generation I am mm. hoping in her performance although I've not seen a lot of it to see some mm. notes of her father who of course was the villain in the swan song mm. for the original crew and Absolutely. that feels incredibly apropos, like to the point where it has to be on purpose. Oh, uh, it's on purpose. So, this, this is where I've got my theory about what type of season this is going to be. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a, uh, it's going to be a chess game of a season. And I, I I think it needs to be, I don't think you can do a throwaway next gen storyline to, to, to bring this to a conclusion yeah. or to bring in the people that are now added it that added to it the the new you know where we are in terms of technology at this point that that kind of storyline wouldn't really work and it wouldn't do justice to this this is a medium that they they've got so much space to play in yeah. that nemesis did not give them and most star trek fans problem with nemesis was that you had you know a reasonable amount of space and you pissed so much of it away yeah. um and we didn't really get anywhere with it. So no, and it didn't feel like stupid. a goodbye either. It felt like a oh no, no. I, it felt like a quasi like if this has to be the end, I suppose. But we're kind of hoping this will do good enough to. Time. I don't want to go. Yeah. yeah, this is kind of like we're hoping it'll do well enough for us to make another movie. Well, um, yeah, I know that's absolutely right, and yeah, it didn't for obvious reasons. But yeah. um, I, I kind of trust Terry Matalas. Uh, he, he's written the start and end of of this season of so it's ten episodes. Uh, he's written number one, and he wrote number ten. Yeah. Um, he's had a hand in the mid-season, which is no in scenario, which um, I think we can probably hazard a guess at what that's going to be a reference to. Mm-hmm. Um, they are keeping the final four episodes uh, titles secret uh, for now, at least, because I they're always they're kind of giveaways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, let's be honest. The first 
six episodes, which titles are out there. I'm not going to read them now to listeners because yeah. you might not want them. Because yeah, you'll hear them as we go. Pretty spoilery. I mean, the, the, the one I have given you, no win scenario. Well, there you go. It's an mm-hmm. obvious one. Um, I'm looking forward to the fact they've done this thing again with the pairing of, of episodes. So there's no, shouldn't be any aggressive jarring in terms of the way that the, the performances come out. So the first two are represented, as uh, I'm sorry, directed by um, Doug Unniak. Um, always struggle with that. Uh, then the next two are Frakes' episodes, um, yeah. and I'm kind of looking forward to that. And the last pair, although he's only written the last one, the last pair are directed again by um, Terry Maslas. So yeah. he, this is his baby. Uh, he also managed to stick himself in as a cameo in the uh, across the sub. Uh, sub- Subspace comms during this episode. Jesus, not enough this. to name a planet after himself, I guess. Although to well, be fair, if, to be fair, he, if somebody he gave me the, landing as well. I was going to say, to be fair, realm. if somebody gave me the Star Trek sandbox, I would probably do the same. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. So, uh, absolutely. <laughs> can't. Blame yeah, so, them. so there's like the, the setup here is 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 great, and I feel a bit more confident this time that that this is going somewhere. Okay, I. Something that weirdly, some of the best news and also kind of made me feel slightly nervous um, is the comments that um, Patrick Stewart has made in the course of the last few days. So he was talking, you know, obviously doing the press rounds for this. Yeah. And uh, although weirdly, a lot of his press rounds don't start till next week. Um, I guess they wanted to let the first one land without him saying anything about, you know, what went on in it. Um, but what he said... Uh, and this has been echoed since by um, by Kurtzman, I think, is that the this is at the moment is to be viewed really as the end of of Picard, as in the the show. But they are so pleased with what they produced here mm-hmm. that not only are Paramount and and Matlas and Kurtzman all saying, oh, you know, well, I suppose never say never. Um, the big obstacle to that is, well, yeah, the show's called Picard. He ain't getting any younger, and also, he, you know, he did spend quite a lot of time saying it's nice to be asked, but I, I'm kind of done doing this. Um, he said in the last few days, uh, Patrick Stewart has said that um, he is entirely open to coming back because there is still material from the end of season three that they are very happy to work with. Uh, the only condition that him and um, if you will, the, the production uh, heads have all said about it is if season three is as successful as we think it, it really damn well ought to be, then we are very happy to come back and we've got more Picard that is, you know, not ready to go, but it's we have it available to us and it's kind of notionally in production if it becomes a thing. Yeah. Um, what I mean, obviously that's great news for all of the obvious reasons. I'd like as much Picard as we can possibly get, but what worries me about it is when they say we didn't close all the doors at the end of season three, part of me is like, oh God, really? Because feels like you ought to have done. Um, I don't know what they mean. I mean, I guess, you know, he might just be saying, well, we didn't kill everyone, which, you know, that would be good, preferably. Yes. Um, there will be some main cast deaths at the end of this season, which I'm, I'm certain of that. Uh, in fact, I'm not even sure we'll have to wait until the end of this season. My oh. prediction is episode seven will see um, a main cast member uh, bid their final farewell on wow. uh, on whichever ship they're on. That's my early punt. People um, aren't going to be happy about that. 
Uh, no, they're not. But you know, if they got to go, uh, they ought yes. to go with style. And yeah, there are a couple lucky. of people who, well, there's a couple of people who have you know mentioned not too long ago that you know they they don't mind doing something to go out of this, but they don't want to be around forever in Star Trek. Um, Michael Dawn is quite a good example of somebody who uh, must have taken quite some persuading to get back to do this particular uh, season. But anyway, yeah. so that's a very long-winded way of saying I'm. Very happy with what I've seen. I'm. I was wondering about giving it about three and a half, three and three quarters. Actually, I'm going to scale it down a bit. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that was spectacular in this, um, and there were a lot of noticeable problems. But the the groundwork for where we're going is is probably better established here than I think in any of the new tracks. Uh, it is a reboot. They they've already said that this was you know they didn't think they were going to get this season, and so. You know, they had to do it a little bit on the fly. It's, you know, it, it isn't perhaps as polished perhaps as it ought to have been. Um, but they have all the ideas. They know what they're doing. So this, for me, gets a three, but it's a bloody solid three. Okay. Well, now I feel like way... Now now I feel like I'm in the space that I didn't think I was going to be in uh, before we started talking about this. Standing all over it. I thought before I was going to be like well below you and in fact I'm I'm above you uh, Mm. in the score, but I thought I was being harsh on the show. Um, Because yeah, yeah, usually very, very harsh, but usually, uh, especially when a show starts out strong, and I think we've started out seasons of Picard before where we're like, that's a four or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I feel like if this were season one or even season two of Picard, I think I maybe have would have landed there perhaps because mm-hmm. I would have felt so optimistic and I would have enjoyed it mm-hmm. so much. And now that optimism though is tempered by the cautious optimism. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not pessimistic about this show. I still feel like there's a good chance that it is going to do well. It is being reviewed incredibly well right now. But I'm still landing on a very solid, like a firm three and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not well above you. Uh, for a while, I was thinking like maybe a soft three and three quarters, but the three and three, yeah, three and a half was was kind of my gut response, and yeah, and then I had to be slightly more critical of it. I think. Yeah. Well, you've watched it three times, and I've only watched it twice. So uh, yeah, fair. Uh, there was a time Ben where I thought Thor: Love and Thunder was a was a four out of five, and I've since lowered <laughs> it down. I so. assume you had some sort of uh, I don't know some sort of weird strain of COVID when you thought that. To be honest with you. <laughs> well, I mean, I still liked it, but I just didn't love it. On uh, on an extra viewing, it it just didn't it just didn't wear the same the second time around. But um, and and I don't want to overanalyze things either because I'm sure if I like watched episodes of The Last of Us over and over and over and over and over again, I'm sure like upon every subsequent viewing, I would find something else wrong and something else wrong that I didn't notice before. And I feel like that show stands up hard though, but yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's an excellent show and I think even at its worst, it's still really, really, really good. But, um, I, part of it is like, I, you know, for people listening out there, most people don't rewatch shows multiple, multiple, multiple times. It's like we Trek fans do though. I mean, Trek fans tend to do this, yes, and I'm very guilty of it as well. But I have, 
don't know. I try to not go more than twice. And if I'm watching the, if I happen to watch the show right before we're recording, I'm just going to go once based off of my initial intake of it. But if there's a little bit of time in between when the show airs and when we're recording, then I'll probably give it a second watch through sometimes a skim, sometimes Mm -hmm. a full watch through just sort of depends on how I'm feeling about that episode. But uh, and, and largely that is like, I, cause for me, it's definitely one of those things of like, I can overanalyze it to the point where it's not enjoyable anymore. And I feel like mm-hmm. the best way to go about it, at least for me is to, uh, kind of just stick to like what my initial impressions are. And I'm okay I with like right a second for, viewing. Yeah. I think that's all right for scoring. I think if, uh, you know, d- doing the stuff that we do and, and yeah. a lot of other pundits on the internet, I guess. Uh, do with Star Trek, especially the way it's written now. Yes. I mean, like for example, it was believe it or not, it was the third watching where I picked up the the line about they changed their faces, referring to the bad guys. Yes, which yep. you know you may well think adding into the big bads list of of people mm. along with Moriarty and Law and Sealer and everyone else. Yeah, um, are we going to be dealing with uh, a certain? Mm. Um, slightly malcontent bunch of changelings do you think i mean quite possibly and um, we- you've not mentioned well you didn't directly mention sila but now that i think about this ben obviously mm. she hasn't really been mentioned in the marketing or even teased in the marketing or whatever but no that but she's gonna be there that being said there was a denise crosby tweet that i happened to see a few days ago now that puts mm-hmm. a lot of this in to where she's basically just like God, it would have been nice to go to the thing, but I, I wasn't invited. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, wait a minute. That sounds very call outish for this group of like. Tasha Yar wasn't invited. Um, yeah, but, it feels yeah. very weird to me. And well, given hmm. that she does the, the convention circuit and yeah, yeah, does yeah. it with gusto. Um, yeah, no, that's not what happened. Here. I have, a, I have um, a feeling you might be right as well. And given that you know the the, the big bad ships uh, that we're seeing here are, yep, um, yep. they're they're a Romulan ship. Yeah, I mean they're, they're a heavily modified one, but they are yeah. a, they're, they're a Romulan um, ship class. That, yes. that much is obvious. Ah, so uh, I would say that the the key phrase here we've said it before is cautious optimism. I think we're both looking forward to the rest of the season. Oh, gotcha. but tiptoeing our way through it, like they've got to earn it this this season, Ben. Because mm. uh, two, we've we've been fooled once. Uh, as I believe, as George W. Bush said, "Fool, I was fool me say, once." About George, <laughs> about George Bush. This. Uh, fool, fool me twice. You, you can't fool a fool again, Ben. Fascinating. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> something along those lines. Yada yada. Mm. Nuclear weapons. Uh, yada yada. Uh, no, mission complete. Mission accomplished. <laughs> um, oh, is it funny looking back at that complete idiot that now he seems like he wasn't that bad? I almost yeah. missed that. Almost missed that guy comparatively, Ben, which is a terrible yeah. thing to say. Uh, so. <laughs> Okay, everybody, that's the podcast for this week. Head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. Of course, this is a listener-supported podcast. There are a couple of ways you can help out there if you so choose. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash cinemageekly. We have the merch store, Ben. Geeklymerch.com That's right. Links for those Mm -hmm. in the show notes for this episode. And of course, uh, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Just search for I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast. Hit subscribe, and that way you can join us next time to hear us talk about more Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 2, 
Disengage. 